Welcome to So You Can Heal. Hi, I'm Abby Parker. I am a therapist at Still Point and a licensed mental health counselor. Hey, Abby. And I'm Josh. I'm a licensed social worker and a therapist at Still Point. Check out our website at www.stillpointhealing.com and our social media, which is Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Still Point Healing. Josh, how have you been? How have you been thinking about safety? Yeah. Um, since our last episode, it has really caused me to think about like the components of safety and like the difference between like safety and connection, which is what we're talking about today, and how uncertainty is a really big component of that. So how have you been thinking about safety since our last episode? Since our last episode, I've been thinking a lot about how it is really difficult to find safety. Safety in my body, safety in my thoughts, safety in our environment. And it kind of reminds me of what we are going to dig into today with that uncertainty and how to deal with the stress of uncertainty and how to utilize it. I'm really looking forward to this. So Josh, what is uncertainty to you? I mean, uncertainty is that un- the doubt, the skepticism, suspicion. In some ways it can be a mistrust in something and like not feeling sure of something or someone. Like it can range from falling short of certainty to almost a complete lack of conviction or knowledge, especially about a certain outcome or a result. It's not I'm certain or uncertain, like mm-hmm. it is a spectrum. So I think that that is a really interesting kind of concept to think about uncertainty. Yeah, I do too. It's almost like there's multiple definitions of it. And I kind of lean towards the concept of uncertainty as not being good nor bad, like not having a positive or a negative connotation with it. I would probably talk to people about it in the way of questioning or like what questions come up for them. That's a really interesting approach to uncertainty of not categorizing it as like a positive, a negative, a right or a wrong, but a questioning. And I guess like that's really what skepticism or suspicion or any of those things are. It is Mm -hmm. like the internalized process of questioning. So the internalized process of questioning. Yeah. I also find for a lot of people, uncertainty can cause distress, the unknowing, discomfort, and it happens in your mind, your feelings within your body, which we've introduced in our last episode, not only integrating our thoughts and feelings, but also integrating our body into this understanding of our experience. And I think when there are questions, it can sometimes trigger people to feel unsafe or become even more uncertain and unsettled about their lives. And I almost want to invite people to imagine it as possibility instead of skepticism. One of the definitions I have is the inability to see possibility in the midst of one's own way of thinking 
based upon projections of self and others. Oh, interesting. And Josh, what is a projection? My favorite way of thinking of a projection is, do you remember those old school, uh, like film things that we, (laughs) when we were in school, like the teachers would pull down the big curtain thing and put the reel on. I mean, that's a projector. So I always see everybody's brain kind of being one of those projectors and our eyes are the little lenses. The film we're showing is our expectations, our past hurts put together in our own little scripts and stories. So essentially it's like putting our story or our idea of what people think or feel about us onto them but most of the time what we're thinking and feeling that people are thinking about us is what we think and feel about ourselves oh no so yeah so we actually think and feel those things about ourselves really rather than the other people oh yeah for sure i mean that would make sense that we would put that out there on other people and want them to make it true so that we would experience like being right or being certain. I mean, it's easier to deal with if it's somebody else. Right. I mean, having to, to manage that for myself is not a fun thing. It's definitely easier if I can say, well, X, Y, and Z thinks this. Yeah. And I guess that's where my definition of, un- of uncertainty is coming from. It's more of that reflection back to the self to ask the questions yeah like does that person really not like me or am i upset with them Mm. or you know what would happen if i treated them in a better way right i do think there is a difference between feeling unsafe versus feeling uncertain So what is that difference between feeling unsafe and being uncertain? So feeling unsafe to me means that there is limited possibility of experiencing wholeness or thriving. Like it's only surviving and feeling unsafe. Feeling uncertain, I think there's a lot more possibility in exploring and thinking and feeling and seeing where different paths can take you if people can move through their fear. So what I'm hearing you say is like uncertainty, it does not close someone off so much that they can't see beyond that moment. Like feeling unsafe can. Yep. You got it. So what do you think people need to do in order to get to the place where they're able to start questioning those things? So if I were to answer that for a client, I would want them to know that their wounds are theirs. And that might be very confusing for some people because a lot of times we claim that our wounds are from other people. And while they can be, it doesn't mean that they're still not part of us or our experience. I don't think a lot of us want them to be ours. Yeah, because it is in the wounding where the projections are created. 
Ooh, it's in the wounding that the projections are created. I mean, we create those projections because we're trying to keep ourselves from getting hurt. So if we can convince ourselves, well, these people don't like us, then we can start preparing ourselves in some way to be hurt or prepare ourselves to start setting up those defenses so we don't get hurt, right? So yeah, like it is all about protection rather than safety. And I do think protection and those defenses that we put up is, is different than what we'll talk about a little bit later, which is security. But I do agree that the way we have found to protect ourselves because we thought we had to, eventually those protections do not serve us. Right. Especially when we're trying to connect. Yes. Because if we're trying to connect, then, and I think we share this understanding that you have opportunity to be vulnerable. Yes. Which means you allow yourself and other people to get to know you fully and wholly who you are. And that can be scary. It can be very scary. Because your wounds are part of that too. For sure. But yeah, I think that for some, the idea of safety is in those protective factors or the defenses, the adaptations. And I mean, safety really isn't about those things. Safety is very static. It is very moment to moment piece. Like we feel safety in a particular instant where as we will kind of move into like connection is more longstanding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do find that there's often a misconception around being protective versus being safe. Mm-hmm. And when we are not understanding or when our expectation of safety being protective, then we often can miss out on connection. So if I walk around and work really hard to keep a certain feeling or a certain thought, then I will miss out on how someone is trying to give to me or something that they're asking for me to give to them. And I don't get to connect with them. I don't get to have that experience of connection with them. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Josh, how do we know that this present moment is safe? Well, there are lots of different ways. For me, like I use the three E's. I kind of think this comes from business, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it is the evaluation, education, and enforcement. So in the evaluation, you're evaluating both internal and external states, and you're trying to identify what is seeking to disrupt your natural state of being, that core self. So education is more the process of understanding, so it is the questioning how one can protect their safety while also learning healthy ways to manage their fears, their threats, their need to control so that they 
don't impede their natural state of expression. That is where I've found some people kind of get stuck. It's because they aren't managing those fears, threats, and that need to control. They're just sticking with that protective piece and kind of stopping the process. So once we go from education and we start managing and looking at those things, then we go into enforcement, which is the process of setting boundaries for oneself and others to ensure that safety is maintained within the self while also remaining safe for others. And I think, I mean, and this is an ongoing process where you continually evaluate, educate, and enforce. What about you? I like that. I like that it begins with that assessment of what's going on within and outside of. And that's where I I really like to focus with myself and other people is what is internally occurring, like physiologically, with your emotions, with your thoughts. And what, what does that tell you Mm -hmm. about your experience of what's happening? And as you practice that and you gain more awareness of that, you have a better gauge of if you are truly unsafe or if you are remembering something that at one time caused disruption or wounding for you. Mm. So sometimes we can physically feel a past hurt. Absolutely. And that's where I think like the education piece comes into play. Yeah. It's the understanding of what is happening within me versus around me that can really help one to learn to differentiate between the what is happening and the what has happened to me and what am I containing in my body rather than something that is continuing to happen to me. Yeah. And you used one of our, our buzzwords for today, differentiate. Thank you for introducing that. (laughs) Yeah. And, And that's an interesting way of describing differentiation of having a, a different experience within and having to recognize that what's happening outside of you might be different than that. Because we're going to talk about it in the form of connection. Yes. How you differentiate yourself from another person in a relationship. Yeah. But that also happens with your environment. It happens based in your past. Like who you are now in this very moment is different than who you were back then. Yeah. Or who you even will be in the future. For sure. And then I start thinking about my own experiences of feeling really intensely about something and at the same time being able to think or feel about a completely different part of me. Right or a different part of my day or a different part of my life. And to be able to practice holding like both or all of those things, it creates an invitation of expanding my perception, my lens, my ability to have security, to experience connection. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because I do think it does take expansion. Like it does require stretching and growth. And especially if I'm not only seeking that static state of safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're constantly seeking it, it's control. I I wouldn't know what you're talking about, Josh. (laughs) I would have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Obsessing over something and trying to like fix it or trying to make it a certain way. I I just have no idea what you were talking about. (laughs) And if our audience can tell, I am being very sarcastic right now. I relate, so (laughs) I obsess quite, quite a bit. I would be curious from our audience if they are willing to admit how much they obsess over things. And if they questioned it just one time, what could be possible? Right. So Josh, help me understand if I am not differentiated if I do not see myself as being different from someone else or a situation, what's the opposite of that? We are either differentiated, allowing ourselves to have different experiences than a partner, a friend, whomever, or we are what we call in the Imago world, in a symbiosis or a symbiotic relationship. And what symbiosis or a symbiotic relationship is, is where essentially the two are one. And so like symbiosis provides like momentary safety by giving a person what they need in the short term in that moment. So like there's a safety mindset where we try to protect ourselves and control others or control ourselves or our surroundings. So we control in some way and get people to form to our ideas and perceptions, or we are shifting our own ideas and perceptions to kind of align with someone else's. And that would be symbiosis for me. How do you see it? I see it very similarly, that the perception kind of drives that desire for connection, but you never end up getting there. Right. And what I mean by that is you always have to be either compromising yourself or compromising the other person to experience what is perceived as momentary safety. Yeah. And so I need to look like someone. I need to be like someone. I need to feel like this other person. They need to feel like, like how I'm feeling right now. Is that search to have someone be the same as me? Yeah. And eventually that compromises a part of ourselves. It's like a post I saw the other day on Facebook where we look to other people to find ourselves in them. We expect other people to be making the decisions that we would have made. Well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, I wouldn't have said that, or I wouldn't have gone there. I wouldn't have done these things, or I would have done these things, and you didn't do them. So it's that expectation piece that we put on people to be and do and think and feel as we do, not allowing them to have their own experience. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. The piece that is mind blowing to me is that when we do that, we lose functioning parts of ourselves. If I ask you to be sad with me, then I might not get the opportunity to move through my sadness in order to, to think logically about it. Nor giving me the opportunity to learn to hold space for you in that space. Yeah. And I do want to introduce the concept of parts for this discussion, because when I talk about losing like a part of ourselves, there's the part of how we think. There's the part of how we feel. There's a part of us of what we do or our behaviors. There's a part that is our sensory experience of something, how our body engages or how we engage with our environment. Right. And those things can be lessened or have an experience of loss when we seek the sameness in our relationships. It's absolutely a survival technique because we do it, we've done it for hundreds of years where we had to be the same in order to survive. We had particular roles that we played in order to survive. Well, what would people think of me? What would, I mean, back in the day, like we said last time, like you would have died, like you can't survive right. out here alone. And so that differentiation is that experience of living with yourself as a person and getting the opportunity to cultivate experiences of connection between other people and among others in your community. Yeah, I also see differentiation as like that long-term ability to have safety where like safety is generally moment to moment where connection can provide for your needs on a more long-term basis where safety is usually just momentary. And I guess that's what I would term as security. Yes. Like as you build up more of those momentary experiences of safety in a connected relationship and you are allowed to be your own person, you are building security. Those patterns, those parameters that allow you to evolve and change and continue to learn how to evaluate and understand and enforce the things that are significant to you. Yeah. Josh, what does safety have to do with connection? So according to some of the recent neurobiological research, it suggests that emotional safety is key for a satisfying connection and loving relationship. And like I mentioned earlier, safety, when misinterpreted as only protective factors, that can really inhibit our ability to connect. So what safety looks like in connection is vulnerability. And like Brene Brown says, like vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. So the safety and connection comes through vulnerability. Yes, the risk, but it allows us to hold space for someone and ourselves so that we're able to move through our defensive factors so we can be present 
with the other person. And when our minds and bodies experience safety, our social engagement system kind of allows us to collaborate and listen, empathize and connect. So it really allows us to be creative and come up with really bold ways of thinking and doing things. When we don't feel safe, our bodies don't want to engage, connect, or provide the emotional warmth our relationships need in order to thrive. I mean, sure, we can connect over different types of experiences and feelings. We can connect through fear. We can connect through obligation. We can connect through hurt and pain. There are so many different ways that we can be connecting with people. But in order to have that truly secure connection, we must first feel emotionally safe enough to be willing to engage. Josh, what does that feel like? Connection. Well, connection feels different to different people. Sometimes feeling connected can be anxious, especially at first. It can be hard. The more secure in that connection you are, and the safer you feel in that connection, the more relaxed you can become, the more willing you can be to being vulnerable and being present. So yeah, like I think it depends on the person, the type of connection that you're having and the experiences that they bring into it. I think it can look very different for everybody, but I think it's important that we be willing enough that when we do feel anxious in the midst of connecting to someone, that we start asking those questions, that we go through the process of evaluating and educating and like enforcing. I mean, so that we're really understanding what is happening within us, what's happening outside of us, trying to differentiate those experiences while also being able to differentiate between what am I expecting to feel from this person? And then in some way, being able to manage our own fears, the perceived threats, and that need to control. Like, how do I control myself? Look, like, this doesn't feel good, so I need to pull back. Like, how can you start managing that so that you're able to stay as present as you can? That sounds like a lot of work. It absolutely can be a lot of work. And I vouch for that. I think it's a ridiculous amount of work and it's hard work Mm -hmm. and it pays off. I mean, and I don't think that we have to do all of it all at once, right? I mean, sometimes it is like all we can manage is being willing just to notice that I feel really uncomfortable right now and saying, hey, like this kind of makes my chest feel like it's about to explode. 
I like that. So even if we just notice like one thing yeah. and we name it, we're bringing our awareness to that. Yeah. I always like to say that when we name something, it in some sense loses its power. I think that's very true. Because it's in the secret of the thing that it becomes so strong. So I kind of call it the Rumpelstiltskin effect. <laughs> when you can name it, it starts to lose its power. When you said that, I was, I was thinking about like within the process, like if you name it and then if you feel it, if you allow yourself to feel it, mm-hmm. then you're moving through old wounds. Yeah. I mean, and really like that, that is the process, like right. noticing, naming it, and then allowing yourself to continue to feel it. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times we'll feel it and then we start seeking ways to stop feeling that way, whether that is, oh, I'm out, bye. Or again, it's that, that control, like we've got to control our surroundings so this doesn't happen. We've got to control what people are doing or thinking or saying or whatever, so that this discomfort, this feeling that I don't like stops coming up. Mm-hmm. And whether that be insecurity or anxiety or well, those fill fears. in the blank. Yeah. Of how we talked about last time, how that fear just stops us dead in our tracks. And if we can ask one question or be curious enough to wonder what that is, then that puts us on the, on the path to naming it. And it also offers us that ownership that you were Mm -hmm. talking about, the ownership of our wounds, like our wounds are truly ours. So Abby, so one of our, our last question on here is, will we ever be safe or how does change impact our experience of safety? So in my body right now, my body wants to tell you, yes, like we will absolutely be safe one day and everything will be perfect in the world. And I know that since we live in an evolutionary state, we evolve, we change, we become more different. And that tells me that we can continue to seek an experience of safety to build that security and connection but to say that safety will be a continuous experience, I don't think is possible. Yeah, definitely not. It is not a long-standing experience. I do think, however, in recognizing how connection can become even more powerful in our relationships within ourselves, between each other and among us in community, that can provide more security then seeking safety will ever bring us because connection allows that space to be held for both people or many people. And you can be yourself and you can honor who the other person is. And you get an opportunity to ask those questions, to express where you're coming from, to explore those projections. Yeah. I find connection gives opportunity for multiple needs to be met where often in seeking safety, I mean, and I don't think safety is a binary thing. You are either safe or you're not safe. Like I think that it is on a spectrum, but 
I think in moments when we feel unsafe, we often are looking for one need to be met at a time. Like, I cannot feel this way. Whereas if we are connecting, like we have multiple needs kind of cycling through that are being met. So I completely agree that like within, between, and among, there are multiple things kind of taking place and for the person and others or the other. I will say that I have observed that working with connection, it is a much slower process than seeking safety. It creates a slowing down, a pondering, a reflecting, like working out your own things in order to hear someone else's. It's a much slower pace. It is. And I also think like within connecting those insecurities, those fears, anxieties, they are going to still come up. Right. <laughs> like they are going to. I mean, and you can still be safe in that while experiencing those things because safety is not about not being uncomfortable or safety is more than that. It's being able to be present to what you're experiencing in that discomfort and seeking connection can help move you through those things. You know, in one of the articles that I read, it says safety does not help us heal. Connection does. Mm, I like that quote. Safety does not help us heal. Connection does. And that's what I feel like we give people the opportunity to do in teaching them about how to cultivate safety with each other so that they can experience connection. And you brought up, like, it doesn't mean you won't have, you won't have insecurities. And we're going to be talking about that in our next episode about when those insecurities pop up and how we can heal from those and what corrective emotional experiences are because that builds security and it's not just in the relationships, but it's also within yourself. So Josh, if you could connect with anyone in the world, who would it be? So I kind of stand Esther Perel, like hardcore, like podcasts, books, all of it. Yeah, probably her. <laughs> and I can't wait until we talk more about Esther Perel on our podcast. Oh, yeah. What about you? So I think I would connect with one of the people that we've talked about today, uh, Brene Brown. And I think it is really fun and very enlightening to be around people who are vulnerable and allow for connection to happen, even in the imperfections of who we are. We get to differentiate. We get to be ourselves. And that's such a powerful experience to be able to differentiate. It is. When you're willing enough to let yourself be safe in a connection and then allowing that connection to help heal you, it is truly a powerful experience. I completely agree. And I like how you said that. To allow yourself enough to be safe in order to experience connection and that connection allowing you to heal. Yeah. 
Thanks everybody for listening. Again, you're always welcome to check out our website at www.steelpointhealing.com and check out our social media pages at Steel Point Healing. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Pinterest. And you can also reach out to the podcast at so you can heal at stillpointhealing.com. We would love to hear if you have any comments or questions or if you have topic ideas of what we could be covering in our show. Happy connecting. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.